My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. Hello, and welcome back to the Lost in Translation podcast. Park Whiskey Society, and today it's uh, the two Sean's. Hey, and hello, and we are joined by a very special guest, Jared Bowler. He's the national brand ambassador for Proximal Spirits, and to us, that mostly means Bushmills. But he also reps uh, Proper Twelve, Exton, Stranahan's, Tin Cup, and a plethora of other brands. Um, Jared, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, boys. Excited to be here. I know you and I have talked, well, a year and a half, two years now on and off, on Instagram mostly. Um, but yeah, I, obviously Bushmills for me is very close to my heart. It's what got me started on my whiskey journey on a trip, visited the old distillery and uh, fell in love with it and haven't stopped since. So um, we always usually start off with our guests kind of telling their story, how they started off in the whiskey whether it was as a drinker you know in the hospitality industry and kind of go through your journey and what got you to the point you are here where you're sitting in canada because we know uh well sean and i know that you're originally from iowa in the u.s and now you're in canada and heading up the one of the biggest portfolios in the nation so uh yeah do you want to give us your start and your history and how you got here yeah, well, thanks. To, uh, I'll give you the the, the long-winded version. You uh, can talk about it for a while because it doesn't make much sense. I.O. Boy sitting in Toronto representing, uh, you know, Proximo Spirits. It's been quite a journey for me, hospital industry, and, you know, post-graduating from University of Iowa. So uh, I guess, long story short, I graduated from University of Iowa, and I had a communications and Spanish degree. Uh, throughout that time, I lived in Spain and Costa Rica. I learned Spanish. That was my ended up being uh, you know my main focus, and uh, I, I just found a love for traveling throughout all of that. And post graduation, I had been managing a sandwich shop for a couple of years in in Iowa, an amazing place called Baldy's Wraps, and you know we had like thirty various types of wraps, and we just served cheap beers, and uh, you know just created a really hospitable place. But uh, post graduation, I couldn't survive off of what I was doing there, and ended up being offered a bartending job at a really cool stand-up comedy live event music venue you know again serving cheap whiskey and beer but you know getting to learn about and meet characters just to kind of satiate what i was doing and where i was looking to go with my future which at that time was uh i didn't really know so uh, my brother was teaching english in japan uh, that's where he ended up going i was like well i want to go travel asia so to satiate and make money i i just bartended and I learned to cook in a kitchen and uh, I would cook in the, in the morning and afternoon and I would bartend at night and I started taking ingredients that was in that were in the chef's kitchen a uh, really great Charlie Trotter trained chef uh, out of Chicago and uh, this guy he knew everything about flavor from what I could digest and I started incorporating some of those flavors in the cocktail so uh, went to Asia came back after two months, wanted to ski every day, moved to Vail, Colorado, started bartending, uh, bartending during the day, uh, and, and then, or, sorry, skied during the day, bartended at night, 
Uh, and then you know, got my 80 days in that season, moved on to Denver, Colorado, got hooked up with some of the best chefs and started working the best restaurants as well as entering drink competitions, whereas I started winning them. First one I ever won. Uh, it took me to New Zealand to represent the United States at the Cocktail World Cup. Uh, and I was paired with some amazing bartenders competing against 15 other countries. It was a week-long competition, which we ended up getting second place in the world. And I realized at that moment that I was creative, but I wasn't as good at bartending as I thought I was, you know, but, uh, you know, just a creative guy. And went back to Denver, kept winning competitions, reading uh, books about bartending, really diving deep into the history of what it is as one of the world's oldest licensed professions. And, uh, and then packed up my bags again and moved to New York City with a one-way ticket and a couple of bags of clothes. I got hooked up with a woman named Julie Reiner. She's kind of seen as the one of the best cocktail people in the world. Helped her open a bar in Soho called Lonnie Kai, as well as be her one of her main bartenders at the Flatiron Lounge, which is one of the most famous cocktail bars. And uh, a lot of the best bartenders ended up going through there at one point throughout their tenure in, in Manhattan. And uh, doing that, just learning everything about the artistry of bartending and just, you know, getting destroyed for five years in a row. And uh, the hard rock found me in South Florida, the giant guitar in the sky. And uh, they brought me down there to be the property mixologist, oversee all of their establishments, create the concepts, train the staff, write the menus. Uh, with the kind of the rebranding of the hard rock and where they're going. So being the chief uh, mixologist on, on that property. And then I met a lovely Canadian girl, which changed my direction. And uh, it was easier for me to move to Canada than for her down to Florida. And I here and uh, in Toronto, created one bar called Louis Louis at the St. Regis, which is one of the best whiskey selections in the city. And then I had a baby. And, uh, and I couldn't be up until three in the morning anymore. And, uh, that'll happen. So, <laughs> that'll happen. So you're, you're still up at 3am. You're just not up until 3am <laughs> for a different yeah. reason. Yeah, exactly. And and he was, he was, he woke up six times a night, uh, you know, every single night for probably a year and a half, which was its own thing. So I'm happy. I kind of, you know, got out of it and I realized that I could start using my, my brain power and, uh, and just teaching people and being, you know, more educational and just, you know, being part of something different. And, you know, Proximo hired me three years ago. And I've, you know, just like you, Sean, I, I went to Bushmills straight away. I learned all about it. I tasted it. I, I met the people that make it and, you know, even went to the barley factory in Southern Ireland and, uh, you know, heard the stories there. So, it was all a story of just, I, I don't know, like it's been a crazy journey, but it's all kind of just fallen into place over the years. And I, you know, I just keep moving forward and, and, and yeah, here we are. And I, you know, I have these amazing brands that I, I represent every day. Yeah. It's such a cool story. Um, like we've obviously talked about a lot of your cocktails that you post and, um, you'd mentioned that, you know, you'd come from a bartending background and had won some awards, but yeah, it's, like to think that bartending took you to New Zealand and all over the place and then eventually head up the hard rock hotel, like that chain. That's, that's pretty cool. I've, I've been to a few of them. I don't know when that was, but mine was <laughs> my journey through hard rock was a long time ago in Vegas. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what ends up, what ended up happening with that brand. And like, they're just, you know, the, uh, the Seminole tribe of Florida and they're purchasing the rights uh, their international rights to the name and they've i mean they've 
obviously made a good amount of money on on the gaming aspect, but they're really trying to elevate the the establishments and you know put something with integrity in there. So that's where I came in. You know, is you know making cocktails that they'd never seen. I'd put seven types of ice behind the bar, you know, and teaching people that you know I never had proper mixology training. Uh, our cocktail bartending training and, and just educating them on the history of it and the execution. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's really cool. And I, you know, when I saw, you know, I see pictures of like Jay Z drinking one of my cocktails or something, you know, it's like, that's crazy. Oh, that glass. Yeah. It's like I, that glass I put in there, that ice cube I put in there, like, you know, he's drinking my drink, you know, like it's, it's pretty neat. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I love Jay Z. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've been known to rock a little dirt off your shoulders at karaoke from time to time. Oh, I'd like to see that. That'd be good. I, I've been, you know, as soon as, you know, everything opens up a little more, we should do a whiskey uh, karaoke night and just get a bunch of people down and do some karaoke. Sure. I used, to, I used to go to karaoke like five nights a week when I was. That's too much. A lot younger. Yeah, yeah that's was, too much karaoke. I, I, some of my best friends came from karaoke bars, believe it or not. It's weird. It's a weird, weird world. Very Japanese. Yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously uh, we're kicking off this be one of the first episodes in March. And March for us is Irish Whiskey Month, St. Paddy's Day and all. Um, so today I have poured the core three uh, introductory entry level so the Bushmills original red bush black bush and then for my fourth i picked the causeway 10 year old that just came out in canada uh sean what are you drinking today uh currently i am on black bush and on deck i have the kincaid mini barrel bushmills 10 that was a malbec mm. wine finish i believe that's correct yeah, yeah. Argentine. Uh, also though. have the Sexton, and wrapping the uh, the day up with the Bushmills Twenty One. Oh, bringing out the heavy hitter. I cracked this last March on my birthday, and I probably haven't not opened it since because it's too nice. So I'll have <laughs> some today. Perfect. And Jared, what are you sipping on? You know what? I have some of the 21. I actually have this one I wanted to show you guys. This uh, this Malaga cast 28 year here. Uh, I've wow. seen that posted so many times. <laughs> so jealous. Yeah. I'm not going to open that. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to open that. Maybe when my son turns 18 or something. But like, uh, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a three wood as well. But finished in Malaga. You can only get it in Ireland. I have that one. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I have the 1621. Uh, but I also have this this 2006 Causeway Masala cast as well. Ooh, another cool one. So, you know, I, I think the point is it's it's like based off of what we just have here, it just truly showcases what they're doing there at the distillery. You know, it's 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 amazing, and the world doesn't know about the some of these, right? So, I, I think that's what's really special about Bushmills. Well, and. For me personally, as the defender of the Irish whiskey that people call me, um, you know, I go over the past couple of years, I've had many conversations where, you know, I'll post something from Bushmills or, you know, I'll put out a quiz on Irish whiskey on my stories. And a lot of the feedback I always hear is that, oh, Bushmills is, you know, they always proof it down to 40 or 43 and, you know, 
they're they're the entry level Irish, and I said, well, have you paid attention to what they're doing? Because, well, first of all, the twenty one and the sixteen, I'll put those up against any other Irish that's at forty six or fifty. They the flavor that comes out of them, even at forty three percent, is unreal. But then now it seems like Bushmills, you know, they they kind of had an idea, obviously, that they need to get some of these higher more limited editions so even the causeway 10 that we have you know finished in cognac cast and it's bottled at 46 and that one's unreal i just saw they're listening right like i I think that's what's great about them they're open-minded they're they're listening to you know especially alex taking on the the new role there right it's like they're listening to the world and when especially with the whiskey enthusiasts are asking for it you know like people like a little bit of that burn you know they like a little bit more of that that rawness right um and you know with that can be flavor so you know even that that 28 year i just had a double check but it's at 53.6 percent you know so that's uh that's a beefy one right yeah the bottle's a little bit smaller but like yeah it's uh i I, personally like i like that 40 percent but i also don't like to just chew on whiskey i like to drink it right so it's all just teach their own. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, the one I saw recently, and again, it's a distillery online exclusive, and it's the 30 or 32. And it's basically the same three woods that they use for the 21 year, but it's on steroids. The finishing is 16 years. Like, wow. <laughs> it's a I don't know if that counts finish. as a finish. I think that's a, <laughs> a maturation, not a finish. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's done exactly how the twenty one is. You know, you have your ex sherry and ex bourbon. They vat it together in the finishing cask and they leave it in there for sixteen years. So, um, yeah. like I saw that one, and I think it's roughly, I think it was about five hundred five hundred and fifty pounds to buy, and you can only get it at the distillery or online. So, it is not if, my, if my bonus comes in from work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but that's the like that's the other thing, right? Like that's a pretty good price for that, in my opinion, you know. And and that's oh, another yeah. thing, Bushmills, like the price on on all of them, they're they're amazing because oh, you've yeah. been there. Nothing, it's nothing but land and like and barrels, and they they actually just built another distillery, you know. And so there's going to be even more being produced daily, and more barrels to be aging. You know, it's it's quite astonishing the the company. My dream is to go over there one day and film a documentary on Bushmills. They'll just have to, like, I won't even accept money for it. They can just put me up and let me roam the grounds for a week and film it and talk to people. Call it the the Bushmills stowaway. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He just lives at Bushmills. (laughs) Who's that guy over there? Yeah. He's just just a drunk Canadian filming stuff. Don't don't mind him. Um, but like you said, you told me the story of when you went back to Bushmills right at the beginning and they put you up in the hotel and, you know, wine and dined you and fed you the best food possible. And like the ant from coast where Bushmills is, is amazing, amazing part of the world. Um, what was it like to hear kind of as your introduction to Bushmills as like get thrown headfirst into it? Well, it's kind of funny because when I first came on with like with the brand, I, you know, I, 
like like a lot of i guess naive bar people bartenders whatever right like i mean you're de- when you're especially when you're creating craft cocktail bars and whatnot you have thousands of brands to choose from you know and it's pretty hard to pinpoint what you like and or the nuances that you put in different cocktails as well as build out your inventory so uh, i you know i had known bushmills i didn't remember the the last time i tasted it i think that it, in regards to irish whiskey you know everybody knows of the other green bottle brand and uh, you know you you take shots of it and that's kind of you know been what's associated with irish whiskey even though i like I stopped doing that back when I was in my twenties. Right. But like, uh, I, I didn't, you know, I kn- knew about the story and the history of Irish whiskey, uh, and, and the, the laws and rules that it abided by, but I didn't really pick Irish whiskey up that often. So, uh, when I accepted the role, I started reading about Bushmills a lot and I was like, wow, this has an amazing background. And, you know, because of, the many different distributors over the years and, and, you know, various people having it, a lot has been kind of lost in transition and in translation. And there wasn't much on the brand that I, like it could really help me dive in and, and believe in it because I think the ambassadorship role has a lot to do with painting a picture and storytelling as well. Right. So, and, and that's just the way my mind works. I love talking to people and, 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 sharing that information in detail so when i accepted the role they said first uh, assignment is you have to go to bushmills and learn all about it and uh i was like well okay sign me up like i've always wanted to go to ireland right like uh close your eyes dream of the, the the green hills and the water coming off the sea and you know what you see in movies and whatnot so uh i just open-mindedly went you know i was only north american there there was like 50 bartenders from throughout Europe, as well as other brand ambassadors from Sweden and Portugal and Spain. And, uh, you know, I was kind of like, like on my own, you know, like, uh, representing our part of the world. So I went there, they put me at the Bushmills Inn. uh, you know, there was a nice Mercedes Benz <laughs> waiting for me at the airport in Dublin and it wow. drove me there. And, uh, I was like, okay, I can get into this, uh, yeah. Slim stuff. <laughs> They're like, my driver's like, uh, he's like, yeah, Jason Momoa was in this uh, recently, like in my car. I was like, oh, that's cool. So I share cars with Momoa. Uh, Jason Momoa is the second handsomest guy in that car. Yeah, yeah, right. right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I cannot compete with that man. Uh, But, but, you know, it's uh, it was cool. So, yeah, they took me there. You know, they gave me a, the like the suite overlooking the like you walk in the Bushmills Inn, and and I called it the Romeo and Juliet room because it's right above the door, and it was like just vintage old wood, like you, you know you, you feel, felt like you're, you know, going back in time, and and you know, but they modernized it, and then I was like, where what is going on in my life right now that I deserve this? And uh, you know, the first thing was I hadn't had the 16 year, but I had been reading about it, and I was like, I. I need to try this because I can't find it in Ontario. And, uh, and everybody also talks about uh, a pint of Guinness being the best tasting in Ireland. And so it's like, well, my objective right now is to go down to the snug and, uh, and, and order some 16 year and a pint of Guinness and have them. Nice. So yeah, walk through the, the maze that is the Bushmills and all these, uh, 
you know, like it literally felt like a, a wooden maze with all these little like offshoot side rooms and things, you know, that you'd find old Irish men sipping a, a you know, an Irish whiskey in the corner. And so I went to the bar, I said a pint of Guinness and I said, can I have a 16 year? I did the whole three figure thing. You know, I wanted a real pour and, um, you know, and I grabbed it and I went and sat by the window. I opened the window and uh, right next to a fireplace. So like just found my own little kind of uh, secret like domain, I guess, and smelled the air of Ireland and sipped on a pint of Guinness and the 16 year. And I just took in the moment and realized that I was like, wow, I'm in the tiny town of Bushmills and I am trying this whiskey, and a pint of Guinness that it, honestly it was the best Guinness that I ever had uh, because of the way they make it there opposed to here. And, um, and just looked at the river bush, you know, and knowing that that's the water source that, that we use in our whiskey. And, um, and just, it, it probably took me an hour to drink the 16 year old because it just kept developing in the glass. You know, every time I ran under my nose, I smelled something different and, you know, and I just try to just take it in, you know, and, and then feel that. And so, yeah, it was super special. So that was the beginning of the trip. And then, you know, it was just one thing after the next meeting column and Helen and, you know, the whole team and rolling barrels and seeing the bottling line and, you know, hanging out with all these goofballs from all over the world, you know, uh, as they took us out to nice fancy dinners and, you know, and it, yeah, it was just, it was it's truly remarkable and, and then just made me fall in love with not only the people that make it, but the brand in itself, you know? Wow. Man, that's, that story that's about, about you sitting in that by the window in the fire and with your 16 and your Guinness, man, that gave me the, that gave me the goosebumps. That was, yeah, that was awesome. And Ireland is like one of my favorite travel experiences that I've ever had. And I've been to a lot of places, but Ireland is just amazing. And, but yeah, I have not, been... I have not had that experience, but I want that experience now. <laughs> there's, there's only been a couple of places where I've felt like a, a personal connection. I literally hugged the ground in Ireland before I left. Like I laid down and gave the ground a hug. My wife's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I love you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ireland is you so hug, amazing. You, yeah. You hug somebody when you're going to see them again. So obviously I got to go back. Hey, yeah. documentary, if they want to put me up in the Bushmills Inn, they can do that. Hey, you know I'll, what? I'll, yeah. I'll find your snug beside the fireplace in the window. <laughs> Seriously, you go, you you know, my directions would be if they're like, how do you, give me the directions to finding that little hole that you're in. I'd say walk downstairs, go straight, <laughs> go right three times, left once, uh, and then right two more times. And then you'll uh, find the fireplace, you know. I'm going to need a hand-drawn map <laughs> yeah. with arrows and stick stick people. Please. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's okay. At the end, there's a uh, there's a a uh, 16 year waiting for you. But uh, yeah, it's it's just I mean, it, like, and the thing is, I you know, I always share with Ireland is you know, I think especially in culture in North like in North America, we have like our version of like uh, cultures, and then we have like the real authentic version of cultures, you know. And when I was there. I was just like, wow, like these are some of the kindest humans that I've, I think I've ever met, you know, and, and like just genuine and helpful. And, and just, you know, whenever I had a question, I would just ask somebody. And of course, they couldn't understand them half the time, but like, you know, speaking <laughs> the same language, but, you know, like I just embraced that and, and, and was like, 
I, I don't like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a lot, even when I was in Dublin trying to f- find my way somewhere, this guy like picked me up. Uh, well, I asked him a question and he gave me the wrong direction. Then he found me two blocks later walking through Dublin. He's like, I give you the wrong directions. Like I need to take you there. So he, like he allowed me to jump in his car, which I mean, I don't know. You don't jump in a stranger's <laughs> car, but I, like I trusted him, you know, I was like, I was, that's okay. Like, this guy, yeah. This guy's, He's just being genuinely polite and yeah. you know, wants to help me. So it's it's awesome. so funny you say that because on our trip, like it was those interactions with like the most random people, and they're the ones that steered us off where we would have went and told us the secrets. And you know, um, at Sean's bar in Athlon, the oldest bar in the world, and the owner sat with us for an hour. And talked, and he's like, oh, are you guys going, you know, to the Cliffs Moor? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, when, every, when you see everybody turning left on the road, don't. Go right, go through the town, down to the pier, get on a boat, and go under the cliffs. He's like, it'll be way better. And it was. It was like no, hardly anybody I've ever talked to that's been to the cliffs have been on the ocean below it on a boat. And it was insane. Like um, cool. the Giant's Causeway, there was a cab driver in Belfast that took us. We got lost, and he, like, found us. To where our car was and uh yeah he told us he's like if you go to the giant's causeway don't go through the visitor center if you just walk through the archway and walk the whole way down it's free the only time you have to pay is if you go inside and we're like huh good to know and so we did <laughs> yeah well yeah they're not really checking you at the giant's causeway that's uh you know but i understand yeah. it's one of the, you know they need to make their, their money and you know and that's another place like the giant's causeway it's five minutes from the distillery it's the rock that filters out our, our, our water that also runs in the river bush you know the basalt and the volcanic rock and like to me that was a stunner you know they took us down there another you know chilling story for you to give you goosebumps but uh you know the, ready. the master yeah the master <laughs> distiller column he you know he took us all down there and you know, we're, we're sitting on the Giants Causeway rocks, just happened to be a beautiful, you know, sunset day in Ireland, of course, uh, which is, you know, they say it's the, the especially up there, the, the country of four seasons, you know, you could get snow, you know, sun, rain, all within the same day, but we just so happened to have blue skies and it was amazing. But, uh, you know, Colin, Colin Megan, he, he's been the master distiller for 20 plus years now, and he brought us down there we're sitting on the rocks and he you know he's telling all these irish stories and you know he did the whole uh you know uh, quote of uh you know there's big ships small ships but the best the best ships are friendships you know salancha cheers and then he ended up pulling on a string uh out of the the water attached to one of the rocks uh a bottle of bushmill 16 <laughs> that somebody planted you know in the water so it had been chilling, uh, you know, it was, it was unopened, but it had been chilling uh, just naturally from the ocean's cold, cool waters. And uh, so, like a lot of them, they like their whiskey cold, but they don't like the dilution. So, you know, he ended up pouring us uh, the 16-year off a string, you know, as we watched the sunset. And it was just wow. like, I was like, yeah, did that, did that do that for your skin as well? That was good. That was good, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's, so it's that's like the coolest stories. You know what one of my favorite parts of Ireland was? We we traveled there with our at the time our daughter was ten months old. We took her with us everywhere. But you can just go to a pub with your baby. Not a big deal. And they're happy to have you and they have they have a, a kid's seat 
in the in bars and you just want to get a a pint or a whiskey or whatever not a big deal you you can bring your kid <laughs> it was awesome you just got to push the, the old guys away like no my baby doesn't drink irish whiskey yeah <laughs> not yet <laughs> they're teething yeah. just rub it on the gum yeah uh, there's that whole theory too right i, I never partook in that I, I don't i don't know it makes sense but i, I never did that one time no, I probably would have, but I wasn't into whiskey when my kids were that young. So, um, But yeah, like you say, even for me, like we just showed up, parked in the parking lot and walked in and we they like let us join a tour without paying. They were just like, ah, oh, we're already halfway through. And they were like five minutes into the tour. And then we hung out in the gift shop and they ended up just like letting us kind of stroll around. Not the main part of the distillery, but like the first few buildings that you see in it's just the sight of even from the parking lot, just seeing the 1608 on the roof of the the biggest building on site, and like I said, the river flowing right through there. Like, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite things ever was getting out of the car and just seeing Bushmills. And even before I was into whiskey big, and I was like, huh, this is my kind of place. Yeah, walking that little like parking lot, you walk that little trail like into it. Yeah, and like I have. <clears throat> I took this picture, which you see this picture everywhere, but that I actually took with my own camera, which I cherish that. It's on my wall behind me. Well, I love um, that, that original building there, too, because, you know, it, it looks like I, when I'm describing it to people, I'm like, it looks kind of like an old jailhouse, like that original building there. And then when you're in there tasting whiskey out of the barrel, you know, and, and pulling it, uh, you know, it's it. It doesn't smell nice in there. It's, it's you know, there's spider webs and fermentation happening, and you know, hundreds of years worth of musk and like, you know, it's a it's a funky place. But you just feel like you're, you know, taking a step back in time, which is amazing. Yeah, that's exact. That's the perfect way to explain it. You're taking a step back in time. Um, so in terms of in Canada, uh, how many people do you have underneath you across Canada that work for Proximal, roughly? Well, I tell you what, this is what's funny about it. So we have a, every province has a sales team. You know, we have our, our guys Far East. We have a Montreal team. We have, like I want to say, seven people here in Ontario for sales. Uh, this equivalent in Alberta. Uh, as well as Vancouver. So a relatively small sales force in regards to ambassadorship. I'm the only one in the whole country, um, you know, which it'd be nice to train some other, you know, uh, ambassadors one day to, yeah, there you go. And, uh, you know, to, to take, take it on and, uh, you know, and, and speak on behalf of it. Um, but yeah, and then we, ha you know, have a relatively small marketing team, you know, we're not the we're not the U.S., you know, they, whereas they have ambassadors employ, uh, deployed everywhere and, you know, the distribution is a little different there, too, you know. So uh, large sales forces as well with huge portfolios. That it's not only overseeing Proximo, which is good with us, you know, we, because we're able to focus on solely Proximo. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm just lucky that I have amazing brands that I work with, you know, that can stand behind. So. Yeah, like I know Sean and I both obviously know a couple of events that we've done for um, our clubs that the team here, especially in, in Edmonton, um, like the manager for the region lives in the same small town as I do. Like and then we're, 
yeah, Kyle, and then Rebecca, she's been a huge help getting us, you know, the first Irish tasting that we did, and she had the the signed hat from Conor McGregor and the life-size cardboard cutout that lived in my den for a (laughs) while. (laughs) And then, obviously, like, the last one we did was all for charity, so you, as well as the team here, stepped up huge and helped us out. And, you know, we we wouldn't have been able to raise the money that we did without you guys, so we definitely appreciate it. And, uh, obviously, our relationship isn't going to change unless you want to train me as the western <laughs> yeah i mean we have like that's the thing about, i bet yeah. you can you can convince him to do it for free you just give him some swag <laughs> and give him a title and maybe a business card and he'll just do it for free so and a trip to ireland yeah we're in <laughs> here's here's your bushmills uh, or your monthly allowance exactly yeah. yeah he'll do it for that i bet you you know what i'll let you discuss that with kyle out there and, <laughs> you know runs a tight ship and yeah. uh you know, I think, I, well, that's the thing as well. Like, I, I think for you guys as well, you get to taste and then experience all these other different Irish whiskeys and whiskeys around the world, which is fun in itself, right? Yeah, I like, well, I mean, we've talked, I've talked lots how, you know, 12 <laughs> years ago, there was four distilleries. And now 12 years later, there's over 40. And, you know, within 10 years, you're going to have enough irish whiskey to go around 10 lifetimes i mean my i have a cabinet specifically for irish whiskey which is full <laughs> so yeah. um uh, bushmills gets its own shelf of course its own shelf but, um, wow yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, that's um, the thing i mean I, an irish like I, and i know you guys drink enough whiskey and various types of whiskey it's like i'm like i'm personally just stuck on irish it's it, like it just it's my palate. Like th- this is the style of whiskey that I enjoy drinking. I don't feel terrible. I know that, you know, there's quality grain, quality water. Um, and then obviously all the various barrels are using it. it to me, I'm just, it, I think that there's more of these beautiful barrel expressions because of the high barley content as well. Right. So like, um, I don't know. It just, it fits to me more than that of you know even being an american growing up with bourbon and american rides and you know using those in, in cocktails i mean you know I, I i just i prefer barley to corn i think and and to to rye and you know and i don't really like personally the peat moss and the smoke and, and whatnot so um you know irish is really good for me yeah i agree and i think that's that's kind of why I took on the, you know, Defender of Irish Whiskies. Because there, now there is so much difference as well. There's so much variation across Irish whiskey. But like we've talked about before, the, the stigma that followed Irish whiskey for so long, when it went down to, you know, one or two distilleries in all of Ireland operating, now it's kind of coming back up. But most people, they think of, you know, that green bottle or the Bushmills original. And, you know, the, the stuff that you see in the bars, basically, is that's their only experience with Irish whiskey. So how do you personally handle the stigma when people bring that attitude to a tasting or to an event that you're at? I usually take the approach of, well, clearly you haven't been educated. Let me teach you. <laughs> you know, so, I mean... But that's what it's all about, right? And, and I always joke with people when they walk into a liquor store and whatnot, you know, you, humans are creatures of habit as well. I mean, if you go and stand in a liquor store and you stand back and watch the behavior that happens in them, usually they walk through the door, they walk right to what they're going to get, 
they grab it and they leave because that's what they're comfortable with. They don't sit and shop around and, you know, try to figure out what things are. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, how can I creatively get in their head and offer them? And like, sometimes I'll just jump out, you know, I'll, I'll like, I won't jump out like a, you know, a scary, the <laughs> 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 Irish whiskey ninja is here, you know, but like, but I'll, but I'll notice what they're like looking at or about to grab. And then I will, I, identify what they're about to grab with one of our brands and say, have you ever tried this, sir or ma'am? Um, you know, this is eight years age in Olorosa Sherry Barrel, so there's a really nice nutty and jamminess to it. Um, it's, it's a very approachable whiskey. If you like that, that uh, whatever Canadian rye or whatever, like, you know, this is softer on the palate, uh, you know, and I, and I recommend giving it a shot, you know, and then I feel like eight times out of ten, that will end up getting people to go that route or a different route, which they end up enjoying and then the next thing they buy is bushmills or whatever right um but i think i also you know when you're thinking about like irish whiskey as a category something that i love is people always want to make a competition out of it but the irish distillers don't make a competition out of it they want you to drink irish whiskey so you know i, I always look at it as different proteins as a chef does with food and i'm like that that one would be for you. This one would be for you. This would be for you. Like just experience Irish whiskey for what it is. Um, and then on top of it, getting people into, you know, I love Bushmills original. I, you know, I love the highball, you know, you like something nice and light, you know, mix it with whatever, you know, if you drink too much of it in one night, that's some of the best value out there for that bottle. And on top of it, if you, if you think about potentially drinking with your ancestors, when whiskey was spelled with an E, it might have been with Bushmills original, you know, because we know that it existed in North America hundreds of years ago. Um, you know, for, more for the uh, progressive people, the cocktail, you know, if you like old fashions, the black bush, you know, uh, fuller bodied, you know, I love a Negroni with uh, Bushmills black bush, you know, like a Boulevardier variation, uh, old fashions, Manhattan's, anything classic, um, you know, using it in cocktails within food pairings. And then the single malt, like sip it on the rocks or neat, whatever, you know, it's, it's the cleanest to me. It's the, the cleanest expression of what a single malt could be because it's triple distilled and it's aged for 10 years and it's floor malted, you know? So it's just shows showcases, good grain, uh, good water and barrel aging, you know? So that's what a single malt is from a single distillery being Bushmost. And that's the beginning of, the magic that we're having today in our glasses. Right. So, um, there, there's so many ways to go, right. It's uh, like, and, and just making people realize that it is cool. It's not a dusty brand, you know, it is modern. It's consistent. You know, there's something for everybody within, uh, within the brand portfolio. Yeah, for sure. I got a question. Um, I got a yeah. question about yeah. Bushmills because I don't know the answer. And we're just talking about Irish whiskey. So my and, and uh, Mr. Kincaid and I have talked about this at length. Uh, my favorite Irish whiskey is the single pot still. And Bushmills, uh, as far as I know, does not do that. Um, either, either I don't know or is there a reason that they they don't venture into the the pot still world yeah i mean i i think that that will be that'd be a question for uh the team out there that makes it you know and maybe they maybe they have some that exists within the property you know 
Um, but I, I don't know, like when I, I'm like, when I speak with Alex, you know, the new master blender, you know, she says there's a lot of really cool stuff in the works and, you know, and again, uh, listening to, you know, consumers around the world and, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that existed there, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, there's some secrecy with, within the brands and proprietary blends and, uh, you know, stuff that, yeah, we, we, we're not even privy to yet. So for sure, um, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I have a feeling stuff like that exists, but when we find out about it, I don't know, maybe we won't even be alive still. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, if they were going to do that, they would have to make sure that it is, at the quality of everything else, you know, they're going to make sure that that is the best possible pot still or whatever. And if not, then they'll probably sell it off to a blender or, or something like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I mean, like I, tr- when I was there, I tried to, you know, like a journalist or something trying to, you know, ask as many questions as possible and try to, you know, f- figure out the roots of everything as well as some of the, uh, secrets, but, uh, you know, they, they still kind of hold back on, on a lot of stuff. So, um, I don't know. I feel like we're, we're, we're seeing some of those secrets, which is amazing to me. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I, I love like some of these expressions coming out and just can't believe that they're only charging X amount of dollars for it when it could be hundreds of dollars more, you know, for sure. Well, I mean, the, yeah. the causeway 10 that came here, is yeah. the first causeway release that we saw in Canada. And I mean, the price of it, we all picked it on the podcast as one of the best bang for the buck releases for the year. And it, like, it's, it's not much more than the regular 10 year. And it's got a, you know, a super cool cognac finish and it's 48%. So 46, yeah, I mean, I 46. Yeah. My eyes are bad. <laughs> um, uh, like I hope that we will see more Causeway stuff come here, more special release stuff come our way. Which yeah, because it's fantastic. Sure you're trying, you're trying your best to get it here. Um, what do you feel is the most underrated out of the, your your entire portfolio? It doesn't even have to be Irish. Underrated. Hmm. Well, I mean, I I'd say Bushmills Original. To tell you the truth, like uh, I mean, like like. Pendleton is is a is a great whiskey. The 1910 is spectacular. I don't know if you've had that yet. Uh, I know. Oh, in Alberta, the like the Stampede. I mean, it, it is a whiskey based on the Pendleton Rodeo, uh, the biggest rodeo in the world. But you know, through and through Canadian whiskey. Um, the 1910 is spectacular. 100% rye, aged 12 years in the ex bourbon barrels. Nice and spicy. Uh, I again, I use that in a lot of classic cocktails as well. Uh, but the Bushmills original would be, would be that for me, uh, just because I, I don't know what it is. Maybe people think the bottle is like too old looking or they look at the price and they, and they think it must not be very good whiskey because it's like of that price, you know? Um, but that's, that's not the case. It's just column literally told me, he's like, we want the world to drink our whiskey. That's why we price it at what it is, which makes a lot of sense, but the general consumer doesn't know that. Um, and I just like, in, in true to the distillate, when you, when you keep it on your palate, it just, it, it lingers for long periods of time, you know, and that's what I want. I don't want that dry fall off your tongue, uh, you know, throat burning whiskey. Like I want something that's creamy 
and fruity and you taste the the integrity of the oak and i i find that in bushmills so um i would say that, like in my personal opinion that would be it you know proper number 12 is selling itself uh you know as a good traditional irish whiskey the sexton is also amazing it's growing very fast i think because of its approachability with the so olorosa sherry barrels and the the 100 malted barley um but yeah even our american whiskeys tin cup and stranahan's like they're amazing uh i i think it's just in canada we deal with the canadian palate and people need to understand what uh, a bourbon is let alone a single malt from the united states you know so we i mean there's there's a we have an uphill battle, but, you know, we sit strongly within Irish as number two. You know, we have the number two and number three Irish whiskeys in, in our spirits portfolio, which is amazing. Nice. Yeah, the Sexton has always been, ever since the first time I bought it, and obviously I bought it not even knowing that it was a Bush, you know, that it was from Bushmills. And I just bought it because of the bottle and it was like skulls on it. Sweet, this looks cool. Let's yeah. give it a go. And then the first time I, I tried it, I was like, this is so good. So obviously, as a whiskey nerd does, you look into it and then you realize, okay, it's Bushmills Distillate and it's Oloroso Sherry. I was like, okay, this works. This works for me. And then, of course, everybody says, it's so hard to pour out of. I'm like, have you ever thought about lifting the glass off the table and pouring it? Because I don't dribble <laughs> yeah. at all when I do that. But if you're lazy and leave the glass on the table, yeah, it might dribble a bit. But well, yeah, yeah, the... the the, the wine thing, right? You pour and then you twist to catch the, the drip. Yeah, exactly. But hey, we're dealing with whiskey drinkers. Here. I think now I need to uh, I need to go invest in some Bushmills Original. I bought it one I, time and I dropped the bottle walking up my driveway, smashed uh-huh. all over my driveway, and then I guess I was just too sad to buy it again. So I just I just never had one of those slow motion no. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, wow. yeah. And I was yeah. actually that, that, it was like right when I started my Yegwis Games Instagram, like pretty soon after. So it's like one of my earlier pictures is just this broken Bushmills original on my driveway. Yeah, and I mean, for me, like, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say for me, like, I thought I had Black Bush to drink today, and I didn't, so I quickly ran out to grab one. And the Bushmills original was sitting there. I was like, it's been so long since I've had this, so I grabbed it, and it was the first drink I had today. And, like you said, it, I don't remember it being so mouth coating and like buttery was like the first thing that stuck out. Nice. Yeah. Like if I poured that blind for 95% of the people, they would have no idea that it was a, it cost me less than $30. <laughs> like, yeah, they would have great. no yeah. idea. Exactly. Um, <laughs> One that like, for me, oh, like, I, like you, like, yeah, like the original. I, I, and you know what you can do is you can, but like if you read deeper into the history of that, you know, you, you take that back hundreds of years. And like even to the extent that in the late 1800s, they end up uh, discovering bottles underneath the distillery that were in the dirt in similar, you know, the similar bottle. And they ended up uh, chemically testing it against what we have continuously produced today. And uh, it was almost spot on the exact same recipe, wow. you know. So you, know, you think about like consistency and like, those old bottles that are in the the tasting rooms still to this day, you know, and they're like all kind of that rectangle old looking bottle. But, um, you know, the, the fact that there was liquid in it and it was the exact same. And, you know, when you're talking about a time period as well, that 
you know, taxes were imposed on distillers and, you know, they, all the distillers started changing their recipes, Bushmills stuck to it, you know, uh, fire, like there was fire damage to the distillery uh, and they ended up building the distillery back up, making it exactly the same way. Prohibition hit, you know, and they continued making Bushmills original exact same way throughout it. And, you know, it was readily available for the world once, uh, you know, repeal happened and, uh, and knowing that that was what it was in the bottle that we have today. So why do people not know about it when they should, you know? Well, now For they sure. will. And now they will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> back to being an ambassador, and of course, you're the national ambassador for Canada. So, you know, current times exempt. Um you obviously travel a lot with it. We've talked to any ambassador from Canada that we talk to. We ask, you know, everybody always points to the tight knit group of ambassadors that we have through all types of whiskey across the country. You being in the heartland of where the ambassadors usually are located in, in greater Toronto area. The GTA. Um, yeah. GTA. Um, do you do you find that as well? Like, do you find that you've made friends and stick to it? And when you travel, you you know you see the same faces. And um, it's 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 been pointed out that it's not like that in a lot of the other areas of the world where you know the brands usually stick to themselves. Whereas here, it seems like you know the case of rising tides, where everybody's friendly and helps each other out. Yeah, I've, I mean, I have found. You know, well, year one was different than year three and uh, year two, I'd say. Uh, you know, a lot of conventions and master classes were happening uh, around the country. And then the last two years, it's kind of been, you know, kicked to the curb a little bit because of this thing called the COVID-19. Um, so it's it's kind of been derailed a little bit. And however, I'd say in the last couple of years, we've done everything just like you guys this way. And you know, I've been able to connect with different whiskey societies, different ambassadors, you know, uh, you know, reach out to them and say, like, what has worked for you guys? What are you doing versus, uh, you know, like, let's work, work together like we, you know, might be different companies, but, um, you know, kind of one team, one dream. We're selling alcohol here to the world and you know, teaching them about it. So creatively trying to be inspired by by these people, I'd say that, you know, because when I took on the role, it was like Canada was kind of a blank canvas for me that I'm still trying to figure it out. But I've found a lot of success within, you know, groups like yours and, you know, former ambassadors like, you know, like our friend Mike, um, you know, the Whiskey Explorer and, and whatnot. So uh, I've, I've gotten a lot of support uh, within my role. And, uh, you know, and, and I think Canadians, yeah, you're just inherently friendly people. And, uh, you know, you embrace... You know me, even though I'm I'm from the south. You know, we never hold that against anybody. Awesome. So, are you? Do you like? Obviously, I was not super super south. Were you a hockey fan, or did that take oh, yeah, moving to Canada? Yeah. No, I played my whole life. I was actually from a hockey family, and you know, unlike a lot of Americans, we you know, I'm one of three boys. We all played 15 plus years. And, um, you know, it was a pretty fun, uh, you know, for me to come here and, you know, and I, I, I know you guys are probably like Oilers fans and whatnot, but, uh, you know, I, I got to see the Leafs kind of be constructed into what they are today. And, um, 
you know, my first year here is when Matthews and Marner were, were drafted. So, you know, just kind of seeing what's happened with that, I've been able to follow them and uh, go to some games. And, you know, I w- tried to watch every game like the one last night. They beat Carolina, which was a big win. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, it's, you know, I was a hockey player. So it's really great to be in a culture that, you know, that everybody knows about the sport and I can talk about it. You know? Yeah, it's it's like the hockey madness that happens up here, and like I've been to games in Anaheim and stuff, and in, you know, in the intermission, people come and talk to us, and we're in full Oilers gear, and they just don't understand. I said, imagine Texas football, but that's like across the entire country for Canada, and that's what mm-hmm. hockey is. Um, yeah. Except if you're in Saskatchewan, so, then it's the Rough Riders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <It's> like. <laughs> Yeah, like the Panthers. When I was in South Florida, we go to Florida Panthers game. They're number one in the in the league right now, and I like we go to games for fifteen dollars. You know, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't go to a Leaf game for like under one hundred fifty sitting no nosebleeds. You know, yeah, so. it's crazy. Yeah, we, I think we went to a, a Saturday night game in Anaheim, tenth row right behind the net, and it cost us fifty dollars Canadian each a ticket. And yes. it was like we were, and it was the hockey night in Canada late game, and our phones were going insane. The Oilers scored five goals in the first period, and we were right there with flags and everything, and we were like on TV, on hockey night in Canada. And my wife was working at the bar with, and like a bunch of our friends were there watching the game, and you know, like, you guys are on TV again, again, again. <laughs> so as a Leafs fan and as Oilers fans, one thing we do have in common is the shared uh, misery of, you know, not ever going anywhere. <laughs> we'll make the playoffs. We just don't go very far. <laughs> I was going to say something like, don't hold your breath on building a team. It hasn't worked out so well for us. <laughs> That's what everybody, uh, you know, says here. I, I try to bring the positivity to the Leafs okay. nation. Everybody is a little... <laughs> little beat up mentally over the last few decades you know so yeah yeah we had a a decade of darkness that's now going on 17 years i believe (laughs) better get together man mcdavid you gotta make that guy happy we try to give give you high men to help i think we should just fire him (laughs) like just get as much as we can just mix up the whole world of hockey just fire mcdavid no reason god no yeah. man, they would be run out of town, and the new brand new building would be set on fire if they did that. I feel like we could use a little more chaos in Edmonton, right? We don't oh, have yeah, enough already. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Sean, did you want to do the yeah. pulling the bung segment? I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Are you threatening me, Dick? That's not a threat. What? That's a fact. I'll fucking kill you. What do you want to know? What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Okay, ready? Let me take a drink real fast. Yeah. Maybe all of it. There we go. <laughs> Okay. Favorite music genre? Rock. Chicken or beef? Beef. Favorite place to drink whiskey? A pub. What is the Iowa State bird? 
the goldfinch. Oh, nice. Okay, which rivers comprise the east and west borders of Iowa? Mississippi and Missouri. And there's a tributary of the Missouri, which is called? Uh, <laughs> the Big Sioux. Okay. I don't know. I've, I Googled it. Indigenous. Yeah, indigenous. Yeah. Okay. What is your number three favorite cocktail? The Manhattan. Okay. Pick any three words. Who, what, why. <laughs> what is the most versatile whiskey for cocktails? Ooh. Probably vodka. Okay. neutral. Nice. Okay. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Do you like Canada? I love it. <laughs> awesome. I love it, eh? My wife is in the background. She's like, you better say you love yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. That's it. That's the pull in the bung round. Oh, man. You got me with the tributary. I'm, hey, I'm impressed that you got the bird right. Goldfinch? Yeah. <laughs> Missouri and Mississippi, that's a good one. Yeah, that was you got that too. The tributary of the Missouri is is like a little asterisk. It's like basically the Missouri and the Mississippi, so it's all good. It, it was so funny when Sean was putting these together. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to totally get him with Iowa questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he might know them. Yeah. I get, that's, that's awesome. I had to cool. look up the Alberta provincial bird. I don't yeah. even know. It's it. the great Hornell, which I now oh. know. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I've never even heard of that bird. <laughs> it's a I large also like the owl. Who, the, the who, what, why? I'm like, I guess I'm because I'm inquisitive. I, I don't know, like four or three. Words. Hey, that's a, that's perfect. That's what it's all about. Just like whatever comes to mind. Uh, that's uh, what you. That's what happens. Dig it. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Jared, again, thanks so much for coming on. I know, like I said, we've talked lots. And uh, anytime you need any any help out west, obviously your team here is doing great things. Um, don't don't hesitate to reach out to us. We'll help you out, and you guys have helped us out big time. So we truly appreciate your generosity and your time. And um, yeah, do you have any parting words for the people out there? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, through and through, it's all about education. I think that, uh, you know, we're, we are all creatures of habit, like I mentioned earlier, and it's nice to explore things and then be open-minded. So, you know, what, what not better than uh, some of the oldest whiskey, licensed whiskey in the world, you know? I, you go back to 1608, over 400 years ago, and King James I writing that calligraphy letter, you know, making it officially that, uh, you know, I, I think that it's... The world should know about it you know and, and luckily we have people like yourselves that are behind it and uh, we can continue to grow together but you know we're not saving lives here we're drinking good whiskey and we're adapting to times and you know at the end of the day be safe be healthy be happy you know and uh be the best version of yourself so love it Perfect. that's, that's beautiful better myself. Yeah.